Hello, beautiful. I'm your host, Samantha Roberto, and I want to thank you for joining the conversation. We are a space of empowering women, and each week we feature a new guest to dive into our authentic and vulnerable story so that we can all learn and grow from one another. So stop what you're doing for a minute and go subscribe to follow the journey and to set yourself up for your weekly dose of inspiration. So happy new year and happy decade. Wow, I feel like it's big. Can you believe it's been almost 20 years since Y2K? 2020 is here, and I don't know about you, but I am really excited to see how this year unfolds. I feel like we're on the cusp of big changes and there's a whole lot of energy supporting all of us to go after what we want and to follow our dreams. So reflecting on the past year, so much has happened. I stepped away from my comfortable life as a realtor to create space for new and to tap into a creative project, launched the Hello Beautiful podcast, partnered with Mind Valley to host our first Moroccan transformational adventure retreat. And now I just officially moved to California. We were actually supposed to come back here January 7th, but changed our minds last minute and flew in New Year's Eve just so that we could start this powerful year here. As you can imagine, I'm feeling all of the feels. I am excited, nervous, a little bit scared, motivated, and sometimes really overwhelmed. Pretty much all the emotions that come up when you surrender to the unknown and follow your inner calling on a path that may not always make sense in your head, but feels so right and so aligned in your heart. And that's exactly why I am so excited to share this week's guest, Prema Gaia's story. As we enter this new decade, I want you to reflect on your life. And just be honest with yourself and have the courage to call in the things that your heart truly desires and also let go of anything that really isn't serving you. As you're about to hear in the upcoming episode, Prema surrendered to life in such a beautiful way and I swear her life could be made into a movie. She had me on the edge of my seat the entire conversation. Growing up in an environment in which she experienced significant trauma, Prema sought acceptance and self-worth by becoming a model and eventually moving to Los Angeles as well as modeling in Europe. She ended up living life in the fast lane, going to all of the best LA parties and nightclubs, surrounded by A-list celebrities and traveling all over the world and even dating a billionaire. But the unresolved pain from her past kept coming up and she could only numb it with substances for so long. You won't believe what happened next. Prema is here to share her story of her spiritual awakening and renunciation of everything she owned in order to walk her truth in search of who she really was, not the pain of her past that kept replaying over and over again, but the pure love on a soul level, the love that we all are. Her story is so powerful that we're going to be featuring it in two parts. So this is part one and part two will be featured next week. So don't forget to subscribe. We're going to start with a beautifully guided meditation offered by Prema to help you get into your body to be fully present and to be able to enjoy the rest of the episode. So let's get to it. Let's begin um, by taking a few deep breaths so that we can all bring our energies together. So uh, if you're able to put a hand over your heart, wherever you are, put a hand over the heart and feel the warmth of your hand over top of your heart and take a few long, slow, deep breaths together. Hmm. You can exhale with a sigh if you feel to. Hmm. (sighs) 
just releasing anything that's happened so far today and bringing all of your attention and your awareness fully present into this moment. <sighs> you can visualize a grounding trunk that is coming from your tailbone, like a thick, really stabilizing grounding trunk. It's just anchoring you right into the center of the earth in this moment. It's helping you feel safe, held, and nourished by the beautiful presence of Mother Earth. Bringing our awareness back up, up above to our guides and our angels. Giving thanks to all of the divine alignment that has allowed each one of us here to be together today. And asking that that everyone who's meant to hear this interview be guided to hear this interview and that it may serve in any and all of the ways that it is divinely intended to. Mm. Sending love from each of our hearts to each one of you listening. Thank you for taking this time. And thank you for being on this journey with us. Blessed be. Beautiful. I am so excited for this. So Prema, I am just so curious because you've had a spiritual awakening. You've had this opening. How did you grow up? Have you always been this way or was there a (laughs) catalyst moment that sort of caused this enlightenment within you? I'm definitely not enlightened. I'm definitely like all the rest of us on this planet. Every single one of us is finding our way and finding our path. And, you know, we're all here together walking each other home. And I have had some some moments that were really catalytic on my path. I actually grew up in a household where there was a lot of just unhealed pain and suffering. I ended up uh, incurring a lot of trauma in my family of origin and in my, in my upbringing. And so what ended up happening was I started really numbing that with alcohol and recreational drugs. And so I basically learned how to dim my light and soothe my pain with alcohol and, and quote unquote recreational drugs um, for about, uh, gosh, about eight years from like 15 to 23. I found a way to kind of survive and to fit in and to, to get by in high school by binge drinking on the weekends and uh, sometimes using uh, MDMA or a little bit of cocaine here and there to keep all of the pain in my heart sort of like at bay So because I didn't have the capacity to really process it or the tools. Because of the messaging that I received growing up, I had a lot of uh, low self-worth and a lot of inner critic stuff that was really, you know, had I not been, you know, drinking or are utilizing drugs on the weekends, I don't know how I could have managed all of that pain because there was no one in my immediate surroundings to to teach me about meditation or yoga or self-love affirmations, repatterning the subconscious mind, things like that. So you really grew up in a household that was toxic in a way. There was a lot of pain. Do you feel supported at all or no? I don't really resonate with the word toxic that much. The way that I would describe it is there was just a lot of unresolved emotional pain that hadn't been 
been processed or dealt with yet. So that just gets passed down generation after generation. And everyone was absolutely doing the best that they could with the tools that they had. I have a lot of empathy and compassion for everyone concerned. And so, but ultimately what ended up happening, I ended up moving to LA. I I was raised in Ottawa, Canada, actually not too far from, so in Ontario. Not too far from Thunder Bay. Exactly. Yeah. And then I ended up uh, right after I graduated from university, I always had this this curiosity and this inspiration because we were all raised watching a lot of TV. And I kind of had this curiosity, like, are the people in Los Angeles and the people that I'm watching on TV, like, have they got it figured out more than the people that I'm surrounded with have? Have they found a way to really have joy and inner peace and, you know, really enjoy life and really um, have the freedom that it seems like they may have when I watch them on TV. So I was like, let me go to LA and find out what it's all about. And I had some people tell me, oh, you should be a model because, you know, I'm tall and um, all these things. So I ended up going to LA and I ended up starting to model um, yeah. in my early, early 20s. Okay. And I ended up <laughs> doing some TV commercials and dancing on Soul Train and being in different print modeling campaigns and things like that, living in uh, the Hollywood Hills. And I still binge drinking on the weekends and and using a little cocaine here and there because I still had all this unprocessed actual like really severe inner critic stuff and just really tons of grief and actually anger and rage and all the feelings that I hadn't completely hadn't examined. And then I started developing some sort of like disordered eating or dysfunctional relationship with food and just kind of like being on a diet all the time and just Mm. being really feeling like because for the first time in my life. I um, I started to get a lot of positive validation for for my worth, but it was all based on my appearance. Mm. And so I was like, wow, this is my ticket to have having some kind of like worth in this world is if I can be a size two and just stay young and beautiful, then I can actually have some worth or value in this world. Anyway, it was basically when I really felt into it, I knew that I was a ticking time bomb and that it was not sustainable what I was doing. I could just feel there was a ticking time bomb inside of me, just kind of tick, 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 like this is not going to last. So I had a phase in my life where I was going to the A-list celebrity nightclubs like five nights a week with all the celebrities were there like all the time and just having this very glamorous life, mm-hmm. which was actually on a certain level, it was like, wow, I get to hang out, hang around with like all of these people that I've always looked to as the best and the brightest or the people who may have the answers for how to really do life, you know? And like, so I was like, this is fascinating and looking around and hanging out with models and, and actors and, you know, going to um, after parties at celebrities homes in the Hollywood Hills. And at a certain moment, um, then I actually went and did some modeling in Europe. So yeah. I ended up having an agent in five different countries. And at a certain moment in Spain, in Spain, when I was modeling in Spain, I ended up meeting and starting to date a billionaire. And I had no idea that he was, I just, I met him at a club and it just so happened that he was a billionaire. So I ended up having this experience of like flying in private planes and just like staying in the highest end hotels. It was this wild experience, but my binge drinking was getting more and more problematic. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was really starting to get self-destructive. And so 
it was really just, it was just this total tipping point where it was like, this cannot last the disordered eating, the dieting, and then binge eating. And I was getting into compulsive exercising, you know, sometimes exercising for five hours a day. I was just really, really fixated on my appearance. I was like, this is my ticket to having self-worth. Apparently my value on this planet and the way that I was sort of conditioned to think at that time that it was contingent upon me having a certain physical appearance. Wow. There's so many topics right there in your story that are so relevant to today with social media and with, you know, not dealing with things and people going to maybe food, maybe drugs, maybe alcohol to numb themselves because they don't want to go and do the work. Like it was like a snowball effect. Like it just got more and more and more. What was the catalyst to where you are today? Well, it was like basically, basically my soul, I, I had basically somehow managed to put my soul in the back seat of my life. But I knew that like, I could feel this tension building, like something was, something was wanting to break through. So I ended up being in Europe, um, with my billionaire friend and he flew us on a private plane to London. And I ended up getting this intuition to reach out to a friend who lived in the south of England, who had been, we had dated each other like a couple years before that. And I decided, I just felt an intuition to reach out to him. So I reached out to him and then I went down there to visit him. And it was just so completely like nothing I'd ever experienced before. So basically he had, in my perspective, basically turned into like a monk. He was doing all these, all these 10 day meditation retreats and just that was like all he really cared about. He had given away most of his possessions and he told me to my face, he was like, I actually don't care if I'm, if I'm celibate for the rest of my life. If that's my path, I'm completely surrendered to it. Like all I care about is my spiritual path. And I was just like, I had just come from this, like, you know, this super extravagant drinking and like private planes and Hollywood Hills parties and Gucci and And here I am like face to face with this man who at that time in my life was actually the man that had impacted me the deepest. And he was just transmitting to me like straight from his soul. I was just really, really in awe. I couldn't wrap my mind around it, but something inside of me was like, fuck yes. Like, (laughs) fuck yes. I fucking. And then I was like, wow, I'm like even more in love with this man than ever before. But it wasn't about that at all. It was that I was in love with the reflection that he was reflecting back to me of someone living in alignment with their soul, Mm. you know? And at this time, were you spiritual at all? Like, did you, when you grew up, were you? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I honestly, I do not know how it slipped my coming into my field at all until I was like 24 years old. It just spirituality, none of those things crossed my path. You know, I was born and, you know, raised in sort of like more of an old paradigm, patriarchal, conservative environment. And it just didn't cross my path at all. I remember one time when I was about 24, I heard someone referring to the phrase like a spiritual person. And I was like, I don't know what that means. I had no idea. (laughs) And then here you are. It's so funny just seeing because it's like, wait a second. You had no idea at 24 what that was, but your embody presence. And you embody and radiate it. It's so beautiful. So how did that go? So he, you met this man and spark within you was sort of turned back it was on. Like it, it was like, yeah, it totally kindled my soul. And I just was so, I was like obsessed with, okay, what are you doing? How the heck did you change from this like partying, cocaine snorting, like wild, fun, playful being that I met two years ago to this 
really like <laughs> deeply devoted person who's like really is just all about meditation and renunciation and dedication to his spiritual path. So I kept asking him questions and eventually he told me like, I have a book that can teach you about meditation. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have that book. And so he, he looked at me because I was like, you know, wearing my Gucci dress and my big pink oversized Gucci sunglasses. And he looked at me and kind of like raised his eyebrows and was like, well, if you'll actually read it, I'll give it to you. And I was like, I'm going to read it. So I ended up going to back up to London and visiting with another friend. And that night I was so like, there was such this like, sort of like maelstrom, like this like inner storm of like, what the heck, like all the different parts of me, the ego, the soul, the inner critic, all the different unprocessed things were all bubbling up so strongly. I ended up getting drunk that night with an old friend um, from high school. The next day, I missed my flight back to Canada. So I was actually stuck in the airport with nothing to do. This is before, before really internet, before Facebook, before anything like that. Nothing to read, nothing to pass the time, except this one book. I ended up reading that entire book from cover to cover that day. And my entire life changed after that. So yeah. you, you, you know, you have to tell us what book this is now. <laughs> there's like, I feel like there's this clip. Right, do you remember right, right. the Well, the... that's the thing I got to tell you. I it's, it could be any spiritual book. Okay. It was just something that was acknowledging spirituality as a thing and something worth investing in and worth exploring. It's not even a book that I would necessarily highly recommend. It was a book about Vipassana meditation. It was the gateway book for me. Yeah, so I read the entire thing and then I got back home and I started doing tons of yoga, meditation. I became a raw vegan. I started fasting. And then I started doing a lot of these Vipassana meditation courses myself, a ton of them mm. over the next several years. But you know what ended up happening to me, and I think this happens to a lot of people when they first get on the spiritual path or begin a spiritual path is I got this idea that the path that I was on was like the highest path. It was the best path. It was the, it was the most direct path to, you know, to find freedom and inner peace. And I realized after a while that I couldn't put all my stock into one path. Like we all have our own path and the ultimate guidance for us is really finding the way home to the compass that lay, that lies within each one of our hearts and souls and just really getting fluent with with our own inner compass and how to tune into it how to listen to it how to utilize it and so um i had my second spiritual awakening upon realizing that the one path that i had invested in so much which was it was a buddhist meditation path but i i realized that that was not the path that was going to take me all the way home in this lifetime mm -hmm. that i needed to create my own recipe that i am a mystic you know by divine grace i and every single human on this planet as our birthright we have the capacity to connect with the divine without the intermediary of of a priest or a nun or a monk, each and every being on this planet has the capacity to connect with the divine through their own soul, through their own inner compass, through their own guidance. So that became something that I needed to figure out for myself because I didn't have anyone who was telling me that. We're all on our own paths and there's so many different ways to get there. But at the end of the day, it's looking yourself in the mirror and figuring out what is right for you to get you, like you said, back home. I'm just, I'm completely entranced by your story. I'm just like, okay, then what? And then what? Like, I just feel okay. like, wow, what a journey. So the wildest is yet to come though. Oh. I gotta tell you, the wildest is yet to come. So that was nothing. 
That oh. was nothing okay. compared to what came after that. <laughs> okay, keep going. So, so basically, when I got really clear that the path that I had been investing all of my, you know, my time and my energy and my my spiritual practice in for for several years, I realized that was not the path that was going to take me all the way home. That I'm here to to be an embodiment of someone who who connects with the divine uh, by tuning within, and you know, in, in a reverent, humble way, you know, in a prayerful way. We all have that capacity, as I shared before, each and every person, it's, it's our birthright to connect to the divine. And so, so what ended up happening after I got clear that there was another path, there was a broader path for me in this lifetime, what ended up happening was I started receiving really clear inner guidance and guidance that I couldn't ignore, that I was meant to give away all of my possessions until I only had the clothes on my back and start walking and that there was going to be something that would be shown to me if I would do that. And it was interesting because it took a while. I really felt like there was like two parts inside of my consciousness. It was like, it felt like there was like two fists just kind of like thwacking up against each other and just like, this is my soul and this is the fear. And it was like, how can I do that? You know, like, how can I give away all my possessions? I don't know of anyone who's done that and start walking. What am I, where am I going to sleep? What am I going to do? And basically the biggest catalyst for that was I read a book by a woman named Peace Pilgrim. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's a woman who's walked, I don't know exactly now, but maybe 25,000 miles. She walked, just walked and walked and walked all the time, spreading the message that in order to attain inner peace, we must first find peace within ourselves. When I read that book, I was like, okay, first of all, I had been studying all, you know, different lives of mystics and sages from like, you know, hundreds of years ago, but here's a woman from a similar era to me. She's a woman And she's a woman who's attained exquisite states of connection with the divine. I could see it in her eyes when I watched videos of her. And I was like, she's on to something. And I'm like, you know, I just felt like if I can just start walking and leave it all behind, I know there's going to be something that's shown to me that is completely beyond what my mind can now comprehend. So it took me two weeks and I ended up giving away all of my possessions, every single thing. I basically like laid out, laid out like a blanket in the downtown area of the city I was living in with all of my possessions, like rollerblades, stereo, everything at clothing. And it was just like, people would walk by and I'd just be like, take it. It's for you. <laughs> it's, it's yours. Just enjoy it. You know? And they were like, what are you doing? And I, <laughs> I was so excited. It was like, every time someone took something from me, it was like Later. one step closer to my liberation. I was like, wow. oh my gosh, because I know I have to go do this walk. So um, how, how, old, did, how old were you, would you have been at this time? I'm just sort of time. I was 30. It was my wow. Saturn return. Saturn, was my Saturn return. return. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I ended up giving away all of my possessions till I only had the clothes on my back and I had a little brown paper bag. I was an extremist, you know, mm-hmm. I had a little brown paper bag with a comb, my addresses, a pencil, just like I had like five little things in this, ba- in this brown paper bag and I tucked it into my one piece of ID. <laughs> I cut up my ID too. I was like, oh, this is an illusion. Wow. <laughs> I cut up like almost all my ID. I was like, I have to keep one piece. So I kept one piece. I closed, closed my email. I closed my bank account. I was like, I ended up living moneyless for seven and a half months. I didn't touch money. So I learned how to do everything in this, like in this cult, in this free culture, that is a whole movement. But anyway, so I did, I ended up walking 500 kilometers from San Marcos, Texas, all the way across the border to Mexico with no money and no possessions, um, sleeping outside. Um, like I would sleep, I slept in the craziest places. Uh, it's called urban camping or guerrilla camping. I would sleep, um, on picnic tables. I would sleep in like that, you know, on front doorsteps of churches. I just needed to get over all of my thoughts about like 
you know, am I, am I going to be dirty? What's like, I just had to get over all of it because I just kept on meeting these incredible people along the way and having these exquisite experiences. And it was just so worth it that I just needed to repattern like all of my limiting belief systems and be like, I'm just doing this. Wow. And did you know where you were walking to? Like when you gave everything away, how did you pick where you were going? I didn't know. No, I was just going to listen to my guidance and keep talking to people and ask people along the way. Um, so one of the things I was curious about at that time, first of all, I wanted to learn how to live off of the land, live closer to the land. I wanted to learn how to wildcraft food. Mm. I was curious to know if it's possible to live and sustain ourselves from just wildcrafting food and just living off of the land. So I wanted to reconnect myself to Mother Earth. And I also had this real deep curiosity because I knew that there have been saints and sages that have been living on this planet in all cultures throughout history. And I was curious, I was like, why doesn't anyone talk about that right now? There must be sages living on this planet. Who are they? And can I meet them and learn from them? And I was just, so I just kept on asking people, you know, who is the wisest person you've ever met or heard of? And who's the most inspirational person? What's the most incredible intentional community? What's the most, and I discovered all these things that I didn't know anything about, obviously. So, and I just kept on walking and wandering and listening and going to different retreat centers and just figuring it out. But I never, in that 500 kilometer pilgrimage, I never took a drive, took a drive the whole time. I would just walk and walk and people would see me on the highway. And sometimes they would circle back like six hours later and be like, Hey, we saw you walking six hours ago. Do you want to stay at our house tonight? You seem like an interesting person. <laughs> and we and oh my god! But you never you never got into a car. You never went for a drive. You walked the entire. No, way. I never got into a car. I can't remember how I would do that. I was probably I just I had this commitment to not get into a car for that pilgrimage. I guess I would just say I'll meet you there or something. I can't remember <laughs> that. It was it was many years ago. This was in two thousand and six. And then and so. money wise too. There was no money at all exchanged. No, no, money, money this no, time. no. I, um, I had a little bit of money left and I gave it away to my, to my, my housemates that I had been living with before I did my pilgrimage. It was a very small amount. And so I wasn't a person who had built an empire and just, and then gave it all away. That wasn't my path in this lifetime. So it was but just as you were going, of, so as you were going, you just, you found it was the energy, you were on energy essentially. And yeah, money. I met some people. Yeah. I met some people who, who were sharing with me some fascinating things about this whole movement of free culture and the freegan movement. And I met people that were living moneyless. And I was like, I want to do that because I wanted to break through any and all limiting belief systems mm. around how you can do life on this planet. You know, one of my mentors calls me an iconoclast. And that's like someone who's fascinated with like, you know, dismantling any and all structures and systems that aren't actually serving us um, is how I like to think about it. So I am so fascinated with it. So basically what ended up happening with, with the walk, I ended up getting really, really, really tested about two days in to where all my faith was tested. And I was like, what is going on? And so I ended up having like different, like police cars pull over and be like, what are you doing? Cause I was doing this in Texas and it's yeah. the consciousness there is they, they're not used to seeing people on a walking pilgrimage there. It's just not, you know, if you're in Mexico, there's such a devotional culture and all the, you know, it's different, but with the mother Mary, like shrines and all over the place and things like that, I ended up having a couple of different police officers pull me over and ask me what I was doing. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to figure out how to find food. I'm going to wildcraft food. I was eating like prickly pears and like you slice them open and eating them. And, and then I eventually ended up learning how to dumpster dive in a way that was really, you can find really good food in the dumpster. And a lot of people don't know that. Not that I do it anymore, 
but it was part of my journey. And, um, but on that second day, I couldn't really find enough food to sustain myself. And I ended up like my blood sugar was crashing. Police were asking me what I was doing. And my legs were so sore because mm. I was walking sometimes 30 miles a day. It's crazy. Like it really, you're my legs were so sore. I was exhausted. So then I ended up, you know, finding my way to this. I just was following my intuition. And I found my way to this, like kind of, um, it was kind of this Christian event that was happening. And they were like giving me Bibles and like, this is the way we know the way for you. And I was like, I was so discouraged. I was like, I don't think that's my path. So that night I went to sleep and I was like, just praying. I was like, if, if I'm meant to do this pilgrimage, like, please, please guide me to the right people. Please open, open the pathway for me. So what ended up happening the next day was I met this woman who I considered basically, I like to call her like my soul twin. Mm. And she is someone who I feel like we've known each other for lifetimes. I went into the health food store and there she was. And we just started talking and talking. And I told her what I was doing. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And um, do you want to come stay at my house for as long as you like? And um, she had all these ideas and inspirations that were basically the exact answers to all the questions I had been contemplating in the last mm. couple of days. And we were just like back and forth, like talking, talking, talking and downloading to each other for hours and hours on end. And she took me to a Kundalini yoga class and the Kundalini yoga teacher, she told him what I was doing. And he was like, oh my gosh, the Aquarian age is really here. And this is proof. He was so excited. Mm -hmm. And then the next day she took me to meet some more of her friends. And these were all resonant people, like kindred souls that just recognized me. And there was a huge resonance. And one of the people was just had like tears streaming down. And he was like, thank you so much for coming. And he was like, I've missed you. He was crying. And there was this other woman who was there and she was like, anything you need, like, what can we give you? And I was like, actually, I don't need anything because I'm not taking anything with me. But they were like, well, anything you need, like, can we give you better shoes or at least give you a good meal? And then we were all sitting around in a circle and singing all these songs. And they, I would just look over at them and they had like tears. And I was like, holy shit, this is, I had never had an experience like that in my entire life. And had I not had the courage to show who I actually am and show up on a soul level, I would have never called those people into my life. And you really, like you renounced, you gave everything away. Like it was, everything it was you, away. your soul, everything. Mm -hmm. And the attachment that mm -hmm. we have to money, to people, to things, to everything, just to let it go and tune in. In that moment, you, you know, that was the first time in my entire life I'd lived to be 30 years old. It was the first time in my entire life that I had been seen for who I truly am. Mm. After 30 years of being on the planet, just walking around a lost soul, you know, finally people were like, not only do they see me, but they're moved to tears mm. by my, my path, you know, and it was such an honor. So I ended up leaving that town and it was challenging to leave that town because I was in so much joy and bliss, like with this community, it was the first time I'd ever been around soul tribe in my entire life. So and then did you know ended that you up, had to keep going? Like, were you kind of conflicted oh, yeah. and you had to say, no, it was like, okay, I have to keep, I'm on a mission. You're on your mission. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so then, um, I just kept walking to the next town and I just was there like walking along the, walking along the train tracks and I was like laughing and crying and just like all this, I was having this like Satori of like, oh my God, like, I think I have found like inner peace. I think I've made it. I think I've found it, you know, and like, um, 
yeah, just like having all these like spontaneous, like neural networking was like happening in my, in my brain, all these inspirations and downloads were coming left and right, left and right. It was basically like on some level, like my pineal gland had been like activated. And I was just like having, I was just in a visionary state. I was like, wow, this is really happening. This is the real thing. I did made the right choice, even though I was tested so strongly on, you know, on the second day, I was like, it they could have almost made me give up. It was like, nothing was working, you know, but that's what happens. Like there's a test and then there's a breakthrough. And I've seen that happen so many times in my life on multiple times and multiple levels. So I walked, I walked on and I walked to the next town and the next town. And I ended up meeting a lot of really beautiful people along the journey. Sometimes I would sleep outside and I would just be with my own meditation and my own contemplation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would, sometimes I remember in one, in one town in particular, what I would do if I didn't find another place to sleep would be, I would get a cardboard box and just lay it out and open it up, you know, behind, in the backyard of a church or maybe on the front doorsteps of a church, just listen to my guidance, like where am I safe? And I would just trust it. And I would go to sleep and I'd be able to sleep. So one time I was sleeping on, I think on a, on a box, on a rolled out cardboard box in the back of a church, someone like a staff from the church maybe or something, or came late, like late in the middle of the night. And they kind of like walked over top of me and just kind of looked down at me with this, what I felt was like pretty like, you know, judgmental and, and like thinking that they knew who what I'm doing or, or like just having judgment around me and just literally stepped over my body and went past me and walked in the door. And I was like, it was just an interesting moment. I was like, I was like, if only you knew Mm. (laughs) and my background and, you know, my willingness and desire to just, just follow my guidance, no matter what the fuck it takes. You know, there were some really interesting moments in there, touching moments and just different times where I had these exquisite mystical dreams and, ah, just a lot of basically it was like my pineal gland for the first time. It just was getting activated. I don't know exactly how or why, but my pineal gland and, you know, my third eye was just really opening. It's just a really good thing that I, I feel that I didn't talk to people who might have made it wrong or been like, oh, like, you know, whatever, made, give me a label or something. So Labeled I'm really fortunate. Or put their judgments on it or their yeah. fears on it. That mm-hmm. could have caused you to maybe contract. Probably not, though, just knowing you and seeing the way you, you would have kept on going. I really still had a lot of inner critic and a lot of, basically, I hadn't unwound the trauma and the abuse that I'd experienced in my earlier years. So I, you know, I was still really in a deep healing journey. But at that time... I was approaching it more from a spiritual perspective. I didn't know how to do the emotional integration work and like the processing of the, of the heavy, like grief and despair and even rage and anger. I didn't know how to do any of that. So I was just really focusing on the spiritual because it was, it was more of a, it seemed like it was more of a natural, it was something that I was able to gravitate to. And it like, I had a really, really strong spiritual connection. Like once I had my breakthrough, I was like extremely connected ever since that time to source, to my guidance. And so, but you could say for sure that I was on a spiritual bypass for many years because I didn't know how to do the deeper shadow work. And I didn't know how to resolve the unconscious programming and the survival strategies and all of the unconscious patterns that I had created in order to survive in a, in a less than optimal society and family of origin background and upbringing. So basically like anyone else on this planet, we have our spiritual path, we have our connection to source. And also there's this, there's this responsibility to look at our own blind spots and to look at our, to, to, to alchemize those heavy, intense emotions, those charged emotions, so that we can really 
be a clear space for, um, for our true essence to be expressed in form in this world. So it was, a, it was a really long journey <laughs> and it's been a long journey. And, um, it began very much with foc focusing on the spiritual aspect, you know, visiting different spiritual teachers and sages and mystics and shamans and going to sweat lodges and going to um, many monasteries and ashrams and living in monasteries and ashrams. And, and this, so um, this is global now. You're going all over the world at this point. Not fully. At that time, I was still living moneyless. So okay. I, I lived moneyless for seven and a half months. Okay. And so I ended up just hitchhiking for about 20,000 miles wow. all across America and uh, Mexico and just asking people, you know, to guide me to the most inspirational people and or communities. Or basically, I really wanted to get a good sense of the current spiritual landscape on this planet and just really track what what's going on with the evolution of consciousness on this planet. Where, you know, where are the places where there are tools and practices and resources that can actually support me in stepping into healing, sovereignty, empowerment, and liberation? And that I can share that with other people once I've found those things for myself. That was part one of Prema's story. What did you think? It's pretty remarkable, right? Could you imagine giving away everything that you own, letting go of all attachments, tuning into your heart for guidance in the pursuit of truly following your life's purpose calling? To be honest, the amount of courage that something like this takes is so honorable. We would love to hear your thoughts, so screenshot and share this episode to your IG and tag Prema and the Hello Beautiful podcast and tell us, what would you like to let go of as we enter this new decade? This week is all about surrender and releasing, and there's power in declaring what you're done with. In next week's episode, Prema is going to share what happened next and the important life lessons that this entire journey taught her. So if you haven't already, go subscribe now so you don't miss a beat. Until then, keep being you be beautiful.